Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 60, recorded on Thursday 14th of July 2011, Google Nonplussed. She's much better at that than I am. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. Well, hello and welcome to This Week in Lotus. I'm Stuart McIntyre and once again I'm joined on the podcast by Darren Duke. Hello, Darren. Happy 60th. We are now officially all gits. We get a bus pass <laughs> and everything today. Excellent. Who can believe it? 60 episodes, eh? It's gone so quickly. It, well, kind of. <laughs> Some days. <laughs> well, it's great to, to have you back for yet another episode. You still haven't missed one, so 60 straight for you. I, I may not say a lot today, but I am here in spirit. <laughs> no, we want you to say a lot too. We're joined by um, three great folks from around the community, uh, or around the, <coughs> the ex-community in some cases. So first of all, let's introduce <laughs> Alan Lepofsky. How, how are you, Alan? Hi, Stuart. How are you? That's, that's the beauty of communities. It's, I'm, I'm ex-IBM, but I'm certainly not ex-community. Absolutely right. It's great to still see you at Lotusphere and still speak to you very regularly on the interwebs too. So do you want to tell us who you work for these days and what you do there? Absolutely. So I work for uh, Social Text, which is one of the original Silicon Valley Enterprise 2.0 companies. Uh, started off building uh, wikis and other tools for people to use and has evolved to be you know, all of today's social software tools. You know, we focus primarily on collaboration and social networking tools within the enterprise. My job there, you know, when you work at a smaller company, you, you wear, wear many hats, so I do many things there, but I guess title-wise, I would say I'm the director of product marketing. Um, so I work on things happening around the product with our customers, with our partners, uh, running our customer communities, creating all of our marketing material, uh, running campaigns, <coughs> going to conferences, that type of stuff. Brilliant. And where are you based these days? You were down in Boston for a while, weren't you? Are you back up in Canada again? I am. I'm living at home in Toronto. Uh, Social Tech's headquarters are in the heart of Silicon Valley, like right on the, the main street in Palo Alto, California, which is uh, about 45 minutes south of San Francisco. So I do spend uh, a good amount of time out in the Silicon Valley world, but uh, I did move home personally to live back where family is in Toronto. Excellent. And of course, as well as being a competitor of IBM's around the kind of connection social business space, you also, I guess, a partner because you work with at the same time, don't you? Yeah, we, in the old days of, I guess it was like Connections version 2 or something before it had a wiki, uh, Social Text was actually one of the embeddable wikis into Connections now that Connections does uh, that on their own. Obviously, that's not uh, very important to customers, but we do integration with other pieces. As you mentioned, uh, all throughout social text, we have uh, live on uh, our live presence indication and chat capabilities with, uh, with Skype, with AOL, with Microsoft Office Communicator, and of course with Lotus Same Time. 
or IBM same time. I apologize, <laughs> IBM same time. Hey, you're keeping up with rebrands. That's good. I, I I am. I think we actually have to probably change things on our website. I'm, I would imagine there's some places where we still say Lotus same time. Excellent. Well, thanks for taking part in the uh, podcast today. It's great to have you on, Alan. Thank you very much. Also joined by Carlos Casas. I think I botched that again. <laughs> <laughs> All the discussion this morning about how you pronounce it. Carl- Carlos. <laughs> so far away. <laughs> <laughs> and we're joined by Carlos from Rock Team. Carlos, do you want to tell us how we pronounce your surname? Sure, it is Casas, as it says in the show notes. That <laughs> <laughs> specifically says in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carlos, do you want to tell us what Rock Team do and what you do there? Sure. Um, Rock Team is celebrating their 31st year in business this year. We're a, we're a long time, or one of the original Lotus uh, Authorized Education Centers, LAECs. Back in the R two or R three days, um, and uh, where we won the ESIS award in uh, a couple of years in in the mid two thousands for our solution, uh, Lotus Education Online, uh, which is an online uh, division of the Rock Team, um, delivering learning experiences, instructor led training worldwide uh, to the broader IBM software community. And we're also a traditional uh, advanced business partner, um, reselling IBM uh, hardware and software, and consulting services for all the uh, for the entire um, IBM collaboration solutions stack. And um, and I'm I run the, I'm the principal of the company, and and there's about uh, ten of us on the team. And uh, it's thanks for having us on. Hey, it's great to have you on, Carlos. And where are you based? Uh, right, we're right outside of Philadelphia in on, on the eastern shore of Delaware. So uh, I live in um, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Our, our office is headquartered in uh, Lewis, Delaware. So uh, we're kind of in the mid-Atlantic. We cover the mid-Atlantic region ge- geographically. <clears throat> Splendid. Well, thanks for taking part today. It's great to have you on. And finally, uh, we're joined by Travis Retzloff. How are you, Travis? Oh, wonderful, Stuart. Thanks. It's great to have you on. Now, we, we've done a bit of work together for a, um, a customer we, we both look after, but it's great to, to have you on the show. Do you want to tell us who you work for, Travis, and, and what you do there? Yes, uh, I work for Logicalis, which is an international IT solutions and managed services provider. Um, we were currently bumped up to number 24 on the VAR Business 500, uh, so we've been growing uh, quite a bit wow. over the past few years and have quite a broad reach uh, around the world. And our CEO was also awarded Executive of the Year by CRN. So uh, got a strong leadership team. I specifically am based out of the Midwest. Uh, that's where a majority of my customers are, although I do work for customers throughout the United States. Um, a lead delivery consultant. So that means that I do both my own pre-sales work, working with customers to identify uh, their problems and define them and then find a solution to that problem and map a technology to that solution. So I do uh, some pre-sales work, but a majority of my time is spent doing delivery work on-site with customers, installing solutions, uh, resolving problems in cases where technology has already been applied, um, specifically around collaboration. So I've done a lot with um, Lotus brands, starting with Lotus Notes and Domino, and I've branched out into WebSphere, and I've, I've touched a lot of different products in the collaboration space. 
Oh, terrific. Thank you again for joining us today, Travis. Great to have you on the show and, and joining the discussion. So the, the, the kind of plan for today is to talk about social business in, in the broadest sense, really. We, we've, we've been talking an awful lot pretty much since Lodosphere and, and before as well from a connections perspective in the Lodos community about uh, kind of how social is going to make a difference to the way we collaborate, uh, what what. Uh, the cloud is going to do for us in terms of Lotus Live and some of the competitive solutions and kind of where the whole direction of collaboration is going and, and obviously Alan can bring us a, a view from maybe outside the, the yellow bubble too so Darren do you want to kick us off I mean you know, from a perspective of, of the way you speak to uh, your customers I mean, where, where do you kind of see us being around social business do you see it as the, the here and now or is it still something we're kind of looking forward to as, as saying that's somewhere we want to be but customers aren't quite ready to get on that train yet I think it's the here and now for the providers and the vendors, but I think it's way not even a light at the end of a tunnel for, for most organizations, be they big or small. And, and I think it's, a, it, it's going to be a relatively fast journey is my belief here because once the tipping point is reached, it's going to be like the conversation, we need a website, why? Because everyone's got a website. It's, it's going to kind of take that aspect. Um, and, and right now, it's really for the bigger environments, at least especially from kind of the, the IBM side of the fence, you know, it takes a fair amount of infrastructure if you're not on the cloud. Um, you know, Alan can talk about this later on because I heard him on Lisa's podcast a few weeks ago about the appliance model. And I think that might change a lot of this stuff, you know, if we can plug and play, because the, the cloud is really a lie. I'm going to be old cantankerous, get here for a second. Um, you know, even even in London, we don't have 24-7 connectivity. So there's, there's a couple of things, I think, in the way, but it's getting a whole <coughs> lot easier and a whole lot better. And the vendors like IBM and Social Text et al. are, are going to make it a whole lot easier. And I, won't, I, I was going to steal Carlos's line, but he has a good line coming up later. <laughs> uh, I'm seeing Stuart um, a lot of confusion, uh, at least amongst the customers that I have talked to about social in general, of the difference between social media and social business. And um, I've have we have a few. They've a couple of our customers have engaged us to help them uh, evaluate the soft ROI and in the conceptual model of social. Um, and a lot of them have engaged us in, at, a, at a level which I think is interesting for us partners is we'd like to see you do it first, Carlos. We want to see you uh, – we want to see Rock Team. How do you guys implement social as a company, as an organization? So I, we've taken it upon ourselves, me, almost me personally as a team, uh, to talk about social princ- principles and, and – and m- Clear the de- clear the air a little bit between social media, external marketing, and branding, and openness to social business inside the firewall, transparency, communication, collaboration, things that we've traditionally known under the the Lotus stack. So um, there's a lot of a lot of confusion, at least from the uh, handful of customers that I, that that are really interested in it but are afraid to dip their toe in it. Um, and a lot of them have been trying to follow my lead personally and creating and understanding the concepts of social media first and then translating that into uh, to the business world. Yeah, I, from from what I'm seeing with my customers and my take, uh, it, it is definitely the, the here and now, although not always in the, the context or with the richness that everyone expects when the buzzword social collaboration 
uh, are attached to a project or an initiative. Um, so some some of these capabilities already exist. People are already doing this. Even if companies aren't leading the initiative, their distributors are starting Yahoo groups or they're finding some other platform to uh, collaborate amongst themselves if companies aren't providing it for them. And sometimes that can be challenging because you lose a lot of control of that conversation and insight um, in, in general and in, in capabilities. So it's definitely the here and now. And it will happen whether or not companies decide they want to take part in it. Now, the part that we see customers asking for actively and looking for is the ability to allow that conversation to take place in these public channels and then maybe bring it internally into in-house social collaboration systems so they can digest what the message is, form a response, and then push that back out to social communities. And I think some of why that's not quite there yet and that's not happening the way customers want is in part because of the social communities and the technologies that they're trying to integrate with on the outside. Uh, I think the capabilities are there in terms of web-oriented architecture and services-oriented architecture. Uh, the, the walled gardens, as you say, just don't have the right ramps to do these types of things. I mean, I mean Alan and, and Stuart... You guys are, are are heavily, especially Stuart, as far as I can see, Stuart, you are one of the probably most evangelical <laughs> Lotus collaboration social people out there. I mean, you are, uh, I mean, you have it in your natural state of behavior to share information and, and get engagement in the community. How are you able to translate that to your, uh, to your customer base? I I think by taking that message out there in terms of the the benefits that that can be gained by doing that you know if if a it's all about culture isn't it it's, if an organization is is culturally very willing to collaborate very willing to share knowledge both internally and externally um and with partners then it opens up all sorts of ways in which that that organization can operate that just aren't there if you don't have that culture um and and it can be you know tremendously beneficial to the efficiency and the the value that organization generates and i think you just have to to talk that through with people in many ways it's it's a different conversation with each person you meet in terms of hitting the buttons that that show them the fact that it can be tremendously valuable both in, you know individually and as an organization and I, I think you know it's 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 not something that's easy to do right now because there's no straightforward sort of um you know return on investment type model um you know that you can demonstrate to say you know you put in this hour here you put in those few minutes there and it's going to give you a return it's not that way it's it's as sandy carter says a kind of a return on everything it's 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 a difference in the in the whole way you operate uh, and that's very difficult to measure i, I guess alan you're, you're being asked that question all the time when you go into to talk about social text to customers it must be you know how do you justify this investment how you know what difference is it going to make to my organization um, yeah, so well, you, you phrase that question properly. There's two different. We're not hearing the tons of what's the return on investment, but the second half of your question, you said, what is the benefit to my organization? And that's what people are caring a lot more now than they used to in the old days, where everything was like, for for this dollar we invest, what's the you know what's the ROI? What are we going to get back? I'm you know I'm not being a marketing guy here, but we don't actually get asked that too often anymore. We get asked how is this going to help my business? And your original question was about you know where is the state of social business and what are people doing and to remove like all of the marketing buzzwords out of it, the way I sort of talk about what's happening now is what people are asking for, what companies are asking for, isn't like oh I need social media or I need social business. It's I want to have better access to my people and my content. 
those are kind of the two fundamental things. They're saying we've been using these old tools, whether it's, you know, email systems or document management systems or, you know, their intranet is stale. What people are coming to us saying is we want better access to our people and we want better access to our content. You can bundle that up and call it social. That's fine. When we do talk to them, we say, what business process do you want to improve? It's not, what do you want to add to your environment? It's, you know, are your support people able to connect with your engineers quick enough? Are your salespeople able to get answers from the marketing team quick enough? So whether the you know, instead of talking about ROI of, of dollars, it's how do we shave time off one of your processes? How do we get people to answer questions quicker? How do we allow people to respond to customers faster? And then you take all of those things and you can turn them into if you're shaving you know, an hour off time, this is what it's going to equal. But I really prefer to speak about improving business processes than how much money this is going to save your company. So, Alan, this is Carlos. What what would you break down the, your pie, the percentage of the audience that you that you that you pitch this this concept to in terms of IT, marketing, HR, executive suite? I, I you know, as Darren and, and Stuart and uh, I'm sure Travis understands uh, a, a lot of our vertical reach goes through the IT stomach and then up out the mouth that way. You know yeah, what? That, what is your audience? That's a fantastic question because that audience has uh, has changed over the years, as it does with any technology. When it first comes out, you've got these early adopter groups that tend to be focused from a line of business. You've got some manager who says, "I've got this great idea of how this is going to improve," and they go out and they buy something. Back when I was with IBM, you know, in the early mid late '90s, even that's how Lotus Notes grew. It wasn't top down. Uh, you know, our whole company is going to use this. You'd get these departments going, hey, I want to build this database or something. And then as it permeated through the company, they started to say, wow, well, we've got to rein this in and make sure it follows our IT rules. These social tools started doing the same thing. You would have these departmental groups that were interested. But now that it's such a, you know, name brand buzzword type of thing, we have seen a huge shift where now instead of you know, line of business managers owning this as a project, it is definitely social is something that has to come from the top down. We're seeing, you know, executives saying, you know, how do I make sure this is deployed across my company? Um, the so reason you're seeing, that I'm sorry. sorry. So you're seeing like, are you seeing your audience when you when you have these discussions? Is it is it half and half IT discussion, IT audience, and line of business audience the other half, or are you? In actuality, ninety so, percent line of business having these discussions. No, I'd say it's the I'd say the opposite. It's not ninety percent line of business. It has shifted to be ten to twenty you know percent line of business, you know, and raise the bar much higher where the CEOs and CIOs, so the CX levels, are saying this is something we need to deploy globally across our company. Social doesn't work very well if you do it in small fragmented groups. That's like by definition, this isn't, hey, I want my department to have access to a Facebook-like or Twitter-like environment. It's not like when we said my department would run really much better with a notes app. That's not the way social works. You need your entire organization to be using these tools in order for them to be effective. That's the point. It's I want to be inside my company and ask a question and not get the answer back from the people I already work with, but I want to get the answer back from people I've never heard of or find somebody that can help me. So for social projects to be successful, they have to be deployed in much larger groups than just a line of business. Uh, So for that to happen, 
it needs to come much more from the top. You need to have IT and HR signing off on these projects and saying, yes, we're going to roll this out across the company. I, I, I agree with Alan there pretty strongly. With Within teams you're already working with and people you're used to collaborating with, you've got some tools to get that done. It's more when you cross organizational boundaries that you're going to benefit from tools like this where you don't have um, the same types of principles or work patterns or necessarily tools that you exist in all day. That social platform can help bridge um, those different organizational boundaries that a company may have. And, and to the same point about the really needing everyone within an organization to participate in the solution, it's really where you start to see the most value in payback. Alan had another point about talking with customers about what's going to save them money, what's going to improve their business processes, what's going to allow them to provide better service to their customers. Um, in, in my opinion, with, with streams being so important to all the social software these days, the stream is where you can get a lot of value out of the social software by, by enabling the serendipitous type of interactions that can save money. You know, somebody's looking for a file or they're looking, you know, they, they post their micro status update. Someone else in the company sees that and has a bit of advice to give them that they may not have gotten and could have saved them two or three hours worth of time. Just okay, let me, let, me, let me just pose this question to you guys then, Darren and Stuart too, you know, especially for, for the IBM partners out there. I think you are interested in learning this or, or learning how to implement a model. If 80% of your relationships with your customers reside in the IT department and the IT department's about control, right? And social has this uncontrollable feel to it. How do you reach out past that IT silo and get to the CXO level or the line of business level to have that discussion. I think a lot of the, especially Lotus partners, live in the IT departments. And to be successful in social business, it means to reach out and not, you know, not rudely or disrespectfully go over the IT manager's head and talk to the CIO or CXO or his boss or the, his boss's boss. But there's going to be a challenge, in my opinion, and I'm seeing it with my own customer base where I, I have about half of our relationships live in the IT department and the other half live in a marketing and HR world. And then a smaller percentage then live, my, our personal relationships live at the C-level. How do those relationships stay, uh, maintain, or stay maintained in IT but can be reached out and extended beyond that, that silo? I think that's a huge question that that we need IBM influence or or our or, or vendor influence like social text, like Alan, uh, those folks who have that type of influence or clout um, to help partners who have those relationships that are heavily embedded in IT to extend beyond that. I, I we have to get right down to it and get out of the get out of the rhetoric. Yeah, well, uh, again, our, uh, look at our leadership team, right? I look at my company and how it's growing, and I think some of that is strong leadership. And our um, our CFO actually does blog and has contributed to networks, and he does have some commentary out there about uh, getting IT leaders to work with their CFO because when you talk about C-level executives, a lot of the times the CFO is going to be very important and is becoming more important to your IT directors in terms of uh, acquiring that budget. Right? You want the CEOs uh, 
political clout within a company to be able to push an initiative from a bureaucratic perspective, but you need the CFO to sign off from a financial perspective before you can even get started. So one thing I guess I would suggest, and I think we try to do with our customers, is leverage what you already have within the company. And instead of trying to reach out to these C-level executives yourselves, you need to do some enablement almost for the people you do know within the company to help them craft the message and take it to the C-level executives um, and, and be there to support them in that. I think that's one avenue that you can do that. I think as well, it's a matter of, of seeing where the value lies. You know, I think IT can gain some benefit from deploying social social software, social business uh, tooling, but but typically they're not the main um, you know group of people that are going to gain value. It's typically communications, marketing, HR, those type of folks. And so, if if you can get into the conversation with those people in terms of you know the value it can generate for them, the way in which it can improve their business process, the way in which it can you know, help them retain and also bring on new staff and you know, improve career prospects. Those kind of conversations, that can make such a difference to those individuals. And, and typically, they're, they're not necessarily C-level execs. They may report to them. They're probably directors or, or heads of those businesses. And, and how do you get to them? Well, in my experience, it's all about just, just being genuine and asking the IT people to set up meetings with those people you know in, in large corporations may, that may not be possible but typically you can do road shows around social you can um, you know do all sorts of types of events within businesses to generate the interest you know do some <coughs> surveys around who's using some of the external social media tools and then from that then begin to get a, a list of people that you can go to see to talk about use cases that's another thing we come back to all the time use cases for social tools where you can um, you know really make a difference and start to have those conversations uh, and it's certainly not as straightforward as a typical IT sale that we've we've had five or ten years ago. But it's in many ways it's a more engaging type of relationship because you're not just merely talking about control or auditing or um, you know security those kind of conversations. It's much more how you are making a, a material difference to the way that business and those individuals operate. And so it's a different conversation, but it's it's a really interesting one to have with those people. Sure. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here. I know we're asking like, how do you get past uh, some of these things? We've found something really interesting with a lot of our customers now that social is such a hot topic or such a buzzword is that it's actually become not just good for the company, but it's actually become good for the career of your champion. Um, by champion, I mean like the main person who internally is helping you get the software deployed. And we have had within social text, several of our customers where the person responsible for getting the social text implementation done inside their organization has actually reaped huge um, career benefits. They've been named, you know, to the CIO top 100 awards. We had, you know, Steve Brewer from Fona, uh, which is Flavors of North America last year, won one of the CIO 100 awards. We had our champion at the American Hospital Association who reports up to the CIO, but he isn't the CIO. He, you know, he's in that organization, so he's in IT. But um, the American Hospital Association just won all sorts of awards for their implementation of a social intranet. And now he's being flown around to conferences and speaking at events and doing webcasts and things. So when you can get a champion engaged about how this will be good for them when once they their company sees these benefits, all of a sudden that person has a lot more interest in working with you. Um, you know, when, when there's a personal stake in it for them, HR people, that's happening a lot with HR people. You know, five to 10 years ago, HR had 
absolutely nothing to do with the computer systems that were running inside their company. They were like, oh, you know, how do you, you know, get new hires and how do you, you know, do HR benefits and things? Well, social now, HR has as much clout as IT because social, by definition, is all about your people. Yeah. So who, who owns the directory? Who owns the LDAP? Who owns the new hire orientation process? Uh, that's HR. So you, know, you have to extend your contacts beyond IT these days in order to get software deployed. Uh, Alan, Alan, you got a great point in HR being a, a point of contact. I do have customers where we've deployed connections where HR really drove the initiative. Uh, in that particular case, I'm thinking of, uh, it also came down from the CEO, and it was a matter of we need these types of tools to attract better talent. And, and it wasn't even necessarily we need these tools to work. It's we need these tools to attract the talent and bring in people that are excited about work and want to share. Whether or not we're using these tools today, we want to attract the type of people that will use these tools in the future, and we have to have that platform available for them to do so. And I think the other the other interesting piece around the IT influence is that we're also seeing a move to the cloud, aren't we? As well as the move towards social, we can go to, um, you know, we can move it out to a software as a service type offering. We can, you know, cut our... our you know, reliance on the IT department. And I guess that's another reason for, um, you know, for having conversations with people outside the business. So, you know, maybe Alan, you can talk to us in terms of some of, you know, your company's offerings. They're very cloud-based. You know, do do you see that as, if people are considering social, do you see it as a natural progression to take out to the cloud, to take out to a service provider versus um, going through the work to to put it on-premise? Uh, let's see. So how do I answer that? There are, I, I think we should be, and I, and I don't want to just dis, disrespect any business partners. I have to be careful here. I, I think we should be less concerned with the technology that's running it and where it's running than we used to be in the past. And I, I say that being careful because I know there's a lot of consulting money and a, a lot of uh, you know time and resources uh, in implementing systems and designing them and Making sure they're up and running and managed, and you know, especially you know, connections partners, SharePoint partners, they they make a lot of money this way. But from the purely the marketing, or I'll speak for the customer perspective, that's not what they want to hear anymore. People don't want to be concerned about the big infrastructure that's required to run something, uh, whether it's on premises or the cloud. The the more modern systems, they want them to be up and running and configured a lot differently than IT projects used to be, not 10 years ago, but even, you know, three or four or five years ago. People just assume that, you know, oh, I'm up and running on Facebook in 10 seconds. I log in and, and I'm there. Why do my work systems not work this way? And they don't want the reality behind what it takes to, you know, implement a new software stack with their departmental LDAP blah, 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 blah. But the truth is they, they want these things up and running quicker. So there are solutions, you know, things that are changing, whether it's a, you know, multi-tenanted SaaS offering in the cloud, or it's an appliance behind the firewall, or it's a VMware option, you know, not necessarily specifically the company VM, but, uh, you know, a virtual offering, whichever uh, virtual image you use. So I think the virtual images, the appliances, and the cloud are a very different thing than just a few years ago where what did software mean? Well, I get a big box of CDs, DVDs, and I hunker down in the data center inside that company's headquarter building for you know 12 hours on a Sunday afternoon, and I install and get their servers up and running. That's, that's not really what companies want to be doing anymore. 
And this right, is where and, I'll, I'll kind of step in. And I, I agree with Alan completely. I, I think the the joy that the cloud brings is simplicity, but I think the reality of the cloud is is a bit more cloudy than that, let's say. And that's this is why I like the appliance of a virtual appliance kind of model is everyone already has a data center set up. You just don't want to add 15 new virtual servers to run something. Whereas if I, I can bring an appliance in, plug it in software or hardware, and I'm done. I think that's that's what the market wants to see. That's what the customers are asking. And, you know, I think social techs are leading in that from what I heard on Lisa's podcast a couple of weeks ago, Alan. So kudos to you guys. Yeah, and and I'll agree with what you guys are saying. A majority of the the customers we're doing this in and are deploying connections are already using virtualization, and and they're targeting it for a vast majority of new systems going forward. So from that perspective, you know they they don't have to care as much. They don't have the long lead times to procure the technology, the infrastructure, to put the systems on. But as we get into the internet hosted based, cloud based, whatever you want to call it, software as a service. They, they really shouldn't have to care, but there's still that huge concern about security and risk there. And if it's real risk or or just uh, assumed risk that isn't there, it still exists. And, and some of the people making decisions still put that as a, a primary concern in, in an inhibitor before going to a, a software as a service or a cloud-based model especially as you get into maybe some some type of mega hosting provider like Amazon Web Services. There, there's just too much risk there, and, and people are, are unwilling to move a lot whole hog, especially larger companies who obviously have the economies of scale to be able to handle the infrastructure uh, themselves a little bit better. Smaller companies, though, absolutely. Uh, software as a service is is huge and in just about every solution they're looking at now there's a software as a service option and that should be on the plate and of course you know as well as software as a service platforms as a service like amazon you know private cloud hosted appliances you know, we've also got a hybrid option we've got the ability to integrate the two integrate on-premises and um see i used on-premises there just for the people that complain um and you know and the cloud kind of hybrid model and click to cloud is something that IBM talks a lot about in terms of how you integrate those two together. I, I think one of the the, the challenges that, that we're seeing is is that you know every person who works for an organization, whether they're a, a you know a lowly worker down the bottom or an exec, is also a consumer. So they're seeing some of these public services, seeing how well they work, whether it's a Facebook, a Twitter, or or something you know something else besides on the cloud. And and again, asking the question as Alan said, how do we do this inside an organization? And of course, in the last couple of weeks, we've had something new come on the scene. We've had Google Plus now come on, uh, which does things like video, ed- uh, sorry, video conferencing, you know, amongst ten people in a way that probably would cost a fortune to do internally using something like polycom video conferencing and so on and so it, it's almost like you know as fast as we catch up with this on-premise organizational it the consumer web is just moving further and further ahead so on the subject of google plus anybody want to jump in who's used it so far what was the feeling in terms of how it works and, and what works what doesn't etc i've been using um, it uh, Stuart, just trying uh, past, I guess, since I was invited a couple of weeks ago. It's pretty neat. You know, I'm. it's just another, right now, it's another website to go to and manage a stream. And the circles are really cool. I haven't hung out yet. I thought we could hung, I thought we could maybe try to hang out here, just like Alan said earlier. But, uh, you know, what do you guys think? 
I'm on strike, so we can't do that. <laughs> I, I participated in a hangout with a, a friend yesterday, and, and quality-wise, the, the experience is okay, but really it doesn't offer, in my opinion, much more than you can get through Skype right now. My my first impression was there should be an option for voice only, and maybe there is, but I didn't find it because the video was really unnecessary in our case. Oh, so it, it's only video only? Well, uh, I tried it once. That's that's the experience you're presented with by default uh, versus, hey, let's just do a voice call by default. So there there very well may be an option to do voice only, but the, the hangout that I experienced was pretty much video was the focus. And here is my real issue with Google. So Google makes some really, really stupid decisions. One is always starting off with video chat. That's not a good idea just for so many reasons and i don't have to elaborate any of them agreed uh, yeah and and so you look back at, and this is not the first one when they first did gmail they didn't give you a delete button because we have so much storage you will never delete and need to delete anything again are you kidding me do you know how much stuff i have if i didn't get deleted i'd be in a lawsuit features shouldn't not replace common sense it's as simple as that well so so to be fair common sense has different meanings based on consumer usage versus enterprise usage. That's, you know, the biggest thing that's happened on Google Plus over the last couple of weeks has been exactly this, the people wanting to tell other people how right or wrong they are about the way they're using something. Absolutely. And what, where... The Google Plus at that, right? <laughs> well, they, they're, they're doing it specifically with Google Plus, but even like where you're saying that, you know, you would never delete something, you have to delete things. Uh, you'd be in legal trouble. Well, that isn't the case for 99.9% of Gmail users who Google created a, you know, online email package for most of those people or kids or whoever they are using Gmail have never heard of an email retention policy. For you, it should be your Google for enterprise apps domain account where you have to be able to delete things. So I don't think Google has made stupid decisions. I think trying to fit one product to fit everybody's product needs is very difficult. And when, think about the millions of people that, you know, in the hype and the prime of, you know, the domino days, how every one of your customers was different. Well, now extend that by orders of magnitude to how many people use Google's products. So the Google product managers or the Google executives who are making these decisions, you know, I'm not going to say their decisions are wrong or stupid. I'm going to say they are making a product that has to meet a gazillion people's demands. Right, and right. That's, so and that's difficult. If, if they have to do that, meet the people that need the delete button by putting it there. Don't remove it altogether Agreed. or not, not allow it to happen. You, you see the same thing. We talk about common sense, and, and really common sense isn't the driver behind a lot of these decisions. The driver behind the decisions is choosing defaults and setting the path for users that's going to most benefit, in this case, the provider of a free service. <clears throat> See, so this is why I disagree. I, I think the driver for these decisions is the tail wagging the dog. And deletion is, is just one example, but also search. Google is built on search. If I've got godzillion number of emails and I'm trying to find that one individual one, the fact that nothing would ever have got deleted on the original Gmail thing makes it astounding to me as a user of how I could find that individual piece of content. It's difficult. So I, I, the, I'm Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Darren. The, 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 these developers... Uh, adding features and, and Stuart's kind of right here about 
you know, these cloud providers, Google, Salesforce, are just throwing features in left, right, and center. And it's hard for, for on-premises to keep up. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I, I, I really do um, admire the innovation coming out of some of these companies. But I think they need to run it past some normal run-of-the-mill users, not people skateboarding and eating tofu around Palo Alto. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, 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 I applaud Google's – from a business perspective – Google and and Apple have a very common similar commonality in that they let the more Well, I, I think I think it's an interesting conversation. But I was about to bring Apple into it as well. In that Apple are led by somebody, you know, by Steve Jobs, but also his team around him are very certain about what they want to achieve, what their vision for the software and tools and so on is. Um, you know, Google I think is a little bit different. I think they have much more of a corporate kind of mentality and, and are more open to, to ideas from around the organization. Whereas IBM always seemed to be at the other end of the spectrum where they're listening mainly to their customers to you know orientate them in the right direction in terms of some of their their developments i don't know where social tech sits in that spectrum alan but uh, it's kind of interesting that um you know google has you know first of all this was this was kind of secret wasn't it i, I know there were some rumors in the community um that it was coming but really it was out of the blue when it came in a very different way to wave came you know wave was highlighted at google io and then was released and then went through beta i think google plus is much more google's take on how things should work and putting it out there and i think they're probably going to listen to feedback but at the same time i think it's very much how they intend it to work is that your impression as well alan Absolutely. So Google Plus, since the day they, well, I'll call it publicly launched, but it hasn't publicly launched, the day they let people outside of Google in limited fashion start using it, they have said, you know, know, right here, there's a feedback button on every screen. Send it to us. They daily have product managers posting two to three minute short little video clips about the changes that are happening. This has been the first time Google employees have been like almost instructed to engage the community that is using this product. And it's incredible just in you know the first week, two weeks, whatever you want to call it, the changes that have happened already in Google+, the changes they've announced that are coming. And let's not forget, this isn't, you know, quote unquote, a real product yet. This is in limited release. Then again, if we all think back to laughing that Gmail used to have the beta logo on it for what, three years or something? (laughs) So yeah, so I don't think they're going to be doing that with this. You know, the the end of this month is I think when they're going to open it up a little bit more to the public. But, uh, you know, without even opening it to the public, I think there's, you know, people are saying, you know, millions and millions of users. I'm not going to get quoted on a number. Um, but they, they are listening and I love I have I actually have a Google circle called Google product managers where you know I just want to check in what is the person for mobile saying they're going to build what is the person responsible for profiles saying they're going to build what is the engineer who you know is responsible for the back-end architecture saying how they're going to change you know the the scripts that are refreshing things on your screen like they have been so incredibly forthcoming yeah. uh, and that is that is not what happened with things like Wave where it was like, we built this thing and it's going to be perfect and developers around the world are going to change their companies <laughs> and business partners are going to make a gazillion dollars because we've just revolutionized the web. Uh, they have really learned from that mistake. They have. It's not been on NPR at all. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then, yeah, and I've, I've seen that too on the product management front. I, I was watching uh, This Week in Google, one of Leo Laporte's podcasts, and, and, you know, right the day after release, maybe even the day of release, they had Google, um, you know, VPs and, and product managers on that podcast explaining how it worked to people. And and so they are being incredibly reactive and proactive in terms of how they're dealing with that. And that's pretty exciting to see isn't it and, and it it makes you think that the pace of innovation is only going to escalate if they're doing that if they're going through the loop of feedback and and updates so quickly again that's something that that traditional vendors are going to really struggle to stay with isn't it but they've got they've got a target and the target is they cannot be supplanted by facebook and and you know the google psyche is so fearful that once search goes away 90 whatever percent of their revenue just could disappear that they have to do something and, and I think they've thrown all their chips in the circle and said okay everyone wants Facebook this is the Google representation of Facebook of Twitter of take your pick and yes we have Orkut but Orkut apparently is only big in Brazil so we'll build something just for the American market yeah and I think this is this is one area where uh, existing software as a service options like you know in Facebook and social networks like Google Plus are impacting the enterprise as customers are getting used to that rapid pace of updates and new features and they're going to be demanding that and are demanding that from their software vendors as well and I haven't done any statistical analysis but I bet if you'd go back and look at how often, for example, Notes Domino was released, had major releases, and what types of things were in maintenance releases, um, being a lot more fixed probably. Now look at connections, and the release cycle is probably a lot shorter, and the maintenance releases and fix packs often include new functionality as well. And in, in part, that has to be designed into a product from the beginning to have that flexibility to be able to add on some new component of functionality without having to go through the full regression testing of the entire package and suite. And it goes back to the stack. The stack that you develop on either allows you to release quickly and often, or it does not. And I think the likes of Microsoft and IBM may well be in for a bit of a shock to the system when they start to see... And and, and they've managed to survive Salesforce.com's quarterly release schedule, which I thought would have kind of maybe killed them a bit but they seem to have avoided that but google are releasing two or three releases of of uh, google plus a day so it, it's it's got to someone's it's got to shake somebody's world here that you know when we, we, we can't wait an entire year year and a half two years to get a new point release out for one of a better word i mean it's going to be 80 months between 852 and 853 i think is the timeline and and that that's a bit long and, and connections is kind of a bit bigger well it's it's the their release schedule is probably a bit tighter uh between major releases but i think that again is maybe because it's a bit newer and it'll be interesting to see what the what the timeline is between connections three and four and then four and five to see if they're getting further and further out because of the code base i've got Right, but at, at the same time, I, I have spoken with enterprise customers that, you know, once Notes Domino started ramping up their release cycle, uh, that was a concern for them. They exactly. Double new- at the enterprise. Exactly. Spot on. Yep. They, they didn't want to go through the cost of the upgrade and, and the end user retraining. They don't need all the new whiz-bang features until maybe they've been proven out in a public setting that, hey, this is something people have really adopted and can can gain a lot of productivity benefit from then let's get it in a product and then you've got a story that says yes this is worth 
the effort to upgrade my infrastructure. But that's IT speaking, not the users. Correct. Correct. So if we, if we look at you know where Google Plus stands today, clearly it's still early days. There's some pretty big holes. You know, organizations can't register on there. There's no kind of organizational presence in the same way as there is with Facebook and pages uh, or with Twitter and accounts. There's no um, real means for businesses to talk to consumers through it. So it kind of makes sense in a consumer to consumer kind of interaction point of view. But if we look a little bit into the future, are there any ways in which we can see organizations using Google Plus? Um, you know, to, to help the way they deal with consumers, with partners, with, with businesses? I thought Google had already said don't use it. For the moment they have. You, you're not allowed and to um, to register your, uh, a business account as it stands, I think, Alan. Uh, that's what that's what they have said, but it's funny, like how many have already happened within the first week? So there's been <laughs> uh, Ford Motor Corporation is in a lot of kind of hot, you know, trouble with the, the Google Plus community because Ford created a an account and have actually come out and said, we know we're not supposed to be doing this, but we're going to ask you, what would you like us to be doing on it? Should we be asking you questions? Should we be engaging? So they came out and said, we're breaking the rules, but we're asking you why we should do them. Uh, most of, and I, I apologize for not knowing the worldwide answer, but most of the American news agencies, the ABCs and NBCs uh, and CNNs have created accounts and things. So I'm, I'm be curious how diligent Google is going to be about, about canceling those. The you know, when you ask about how organizations are going to use these things, I think there's, there's, first of all, a divide we have to put up. Is that question about how is this going to be a channel for external outreach? So is this how is Brand X going to deal with their customers once brands are allowed to do it? And there's a whole separate discussion about is something like a Google Plus going to be good for collaboration tools for you know, businesses internally? Like, will their employees be using this? So we probably have both of those things you want to cover in the next, you know, this section of the podcast. I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical on, on it changing drastically from what Facebook provides. And Facebook, I'd see what business um, is doing there. There's there's a couple different ways to look at it. In terms of direct interaction with consumers, it's primarily still more about marketing and research. It's not providing an application or, you know, say, hey, my workers are on Facebook. I'm going to provide an app on Facebook so they can get work updates there. People don't want that. They want separation of business and work. Um, and, and that's not going to change even with the concept of circles. You know, yeah, we can create a circle for all these business related things, but I don't even want to deal with that in this setting where I'm supposed to have a good time. You know, the the, the, the social networks that are public are supposed to be relaxation and, and networking, obviously, but not work. So I think primarily it's still going to be marketing and research, you know, pulling data out about your social graph uh, and what they can determine about you to be able to better target you and service you. Uh, I don't see it being a, a mechanism where people are going to put tools to do actual work out there because I don't think consumers and workers really want that. And the best word in that phrase was target. That's what this is all about. Yep. Targeting. Except, you know, I would agree with that for Facebook. Um, you know, whilst there are some work-related communities and so on on Facebook that I'm part of, really they're kind of talking shops or ways of getting the word out, you know, in terms of new events and that kind of thing. Not much real work has done on them. But Twitter, I see, as being very different. Twitter is a real 
place where work relationships get made, where um, you know, where contacts are found, where even opportunities are discovered. I've had significant amount of work come out of a tweet from a customer who had never met before, who tweeted they needed something, I answered, and it's gone on to to be quite a lot of work. So I do believe real work can happen from Twitter, and it's interesting to see whether Google see that again. Coming back to that target word you both have just mentioned, whether Google see that as being a target, do they see uh, you know that the commercial space as being something they're really interested in and I guess at the end of the day will it make money for them if they get it you know at the moment I've not seen any advertising on Google Plus I'm sure at some stage that's got to come in because that must be the way they're looking to make money from it right and and I'll I'll agree with your statement about the difference with Twitter there Um, and that's because Twitter is so public in nature there's nothing private about Twitter and its infrastructure at all the other social networks Facebook Google Plus there's a lot of supposedly at least somewhat private conversations that people want to have there. Um, but going back to your example about Twitter, is is that maybe just a different spin on targeting? This other company was targeting, they were trying to find someone with an expertise and you hooked up with them through there. So there was a connection that was made, but did you do actual work in terms of collaboration around their solution or their problem through Twitter? Or did you then take that conversation to a different medium like Skype or email? It was a few direct messages and then you're right, it went on to Skype and phone calls and, and the more traditional ways of communicating. But it certainly started there. That was where it you know, where it came from. Um, Alan, I think you've got a view on or maybe what Google are looking to do from a commercial perspective. Yeah, I'll talk about the link I just sent you. And I certainly don't want to pontificate that I know what Google's plans are. I, I, I hate hearing. I wish pe- you did. I hate. Hear- I hate hearing people on Google t- Plus that don't work at Google talk about knowing Google's plans. It's no offense. It's like you know, non IBMers talking about not knowing IBM's plans. Oh please. Um, but, <laughs> but 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 anyway, what Stuart's talking about is I just. Uh, put this link in. TechCrunch uh, covered this uh, story a couple days ago about Google investing, uh, you know, a hundred million dollars plus into Zynga, preparing to launch Google Games. Um, so nobody knows exactly what's happening there, but let's not be uh, foolish and think that Google's not looking for ways to monetize what's happening in, you know, Google Plus or whatever their future offerings are. I think you know the day Google Plus launched. Everybody was super excited that there was, you know, no Farmville showing up or no zombies, you know, in my Facebook stream type of thing. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's gonna happen to Google Plus. I think, you know, these companies, someone said, you know, I think it was Carlos said a few minutes ago, uh, you know, once once search has been commoditized and they're not making their money off that, how are they gonna make their money? Where is the advertising gonna be? Uh, you know, while I hope there's not as you know, the same um annoyance of updates in the stream in Google Plus that there are in Facebook, I think we would be foolish to think that these companies aren't looking for ways to partner with consumer-oriented offerings, whether it's dining or Groupon type of purchasing or games like Zynga. You know, it's a free service. Look, we don't pay to use Facebook. We don't pay to use Google Plus. Their money has to come from somewhere, and I don't even pretend to know what their plan is, but things like this, you know, $100 million invested into Zynga, I think should give us some indication that they are going to be doing things that are going to make us complain sometime in the near future. (laughs) (laughs) And I agree, Alan. I'm hopeful, at least, that it will become, or it will be implemented in a way that's at least somewhat segregated and and separate. Now, I mentioned this to Stuart a little bit yesterday. We had some discussions about this. What Google has that Facebook doesn't have 
is a lot of already valuable, well-trafficked property on the internet. What they don't have that Facebook has is the social graph to be able to do even better targeting of those ads. So in in a, a beautiful world, if Google really isn't evil, they can keep Google Plus simpler than Facebook, cleaner than Facebook, and, and derive some of that profit from the knowledge they can get there in these other channels, be it YouTube, uh, Google Calendar, Google Sites. So they, they've got a lot of valuable property out there where they can leverage the information they're learning here. And they can set up a separate property for Farmville and games like that and keep it out of my Google Plus, please. Yeah, there was a secret link. I'll, I'll find it and drop it into the, the channel in a minute and we can you know post it along with the, the show notes or something. I'll go find it. But um, there's a page you can go to that shows you how all of the people you're connected to in Google like what the algorithm is that it figures out of of how to to recommend people to you and who your connections are and just some crazy crazy scary stuff that Google is well I shouldn't say scary it's their business but there there is a lot of information there uh, consolidating about us. No, scary was right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I guess the other advantage they've had is, is come, you know, coming to the market, whatever it is, four years, five years after Facebook, is they can kind of benefit from all that, you know, learn knowledge in terms of how others have done it, where things have fallen down, things like the privacy concerns people have had with Facebook. They can get all that right first time. The, the challenge is how you catch up quickly enough to you know, make money early enough in the cycle that you're not investing massive money trying to catch up with the, the leaders. And I guess that's where Google have got such an advantage. They've got so much cash in the pot that it's really not a concern for them. Although I have to say that the way they've generated the interest around Google Plus and got you know 100 million or whatever it is already in there, it's not that many, 10 million maybe into Google Plus so quickly, um, you know, it is phenomenal in terms of them being able to just catch up with Facebook very quickly, maybe not in numbers, but certainly in terms of importance and use. And therefore yeah, we, then going beyond I, I agree we can criticize all we want but which vendor is not jealous as hell as the amount yeah. of hype that Google Plus has gotten <laughs> right. I, I want to expand ahead. on a little point we were just talking about uh, you know us having concerns about Google with all this data and information and knowledge about us and, and security and privacy concerns with the social networks in general as individuals companies and enterprises are a lot more risk adverse than individuals. So if we as individuals have these concerns, when when we get back to the, the topic of enterprise moving anything close to a critical business function or internal uh, intellectual property out to Google+, that right there, if we as individuals aren't that comfortable with it, enterprise surely isn't going to be either. Oh, they shouldn't be. Right. They, they shouldn't be. Well, I guess this is kind of where we came to a couple of weeks ago when we last discussed this. You know, just none of us know where this is going to go. Only that I think it's going to make massive ways for all of us that are involved in social collaboration and, and social media uh, in the future. I think it's it's probably too early to tell, but um, but certainly we're gonna, all going to keep an eye and, and see where it leads. So that's the the end of our conversation. We come to the end of the hour. Uh, as always, we ask our guests for a tip. Unfortunately, we appear to have lost Carlos uh, along the way, but we certainly ask for tips from everybody else so Darren do you want to kick us off what's your tip for this week I've got to go find it I forgot what it was oh there it is yes yes, yes. so um, this week and last week I was doing some work on Linux servers and Domino on Linux specifically 
And I haven't mentioned this before, and I don't think it's ever been mentioned on the podcast, but Daniel Nashed has this excellent set of free scripts that uh, you can get off him. It's just a form on his website. You submit the form, and it, you get an email 20 seconds later with the scripts in. That will run on all the flavors of Linux I've ever worked with and pretty much every single AX server I've ever touched as well. So if you want to start and stop Domino automatically when as demons when they come up, Daniel Nashett is your guy. The link is in the show notes. Phenomenal stuff. And I believe, was he named a champion? If not, he should have been. I'm not sure. Actually, we'll look that up. I, I, I'm you know, certainly an advocate of the scripts. I've been using them for certainly for the last five years or so on AX and Linux, as you have. Um, yeah, and having written my own start and stop scripts for Domino way back in the R3, R4 days, uh, it's fabulous what he's done with that. And I just wish that in many ways they were available for Windows. If they were you know, complex batch scripts like that for Windows that really controlled Domino in the same way, I think it would be great to have to do from the command line. So great work, Daniel, and thanks for the tip, Dan. That's good, good tip. Um, Travis, what's your tip? Oh, you see, this is where I should listen to the podcast tomorrow. I would have a technical <laughs> tip to the audience, but it was more of a, a drop for a different social network diaspora. If anyone is interested in seeing what may be pushing Google Plus down the road, uh, I think they've got some interesting concepts there in terms of giving control back to end users in terms of ownership of their own content and, and wanting to open up the walled garden even more so that people can exist in different social networks and still collaborate with their friends on other networks, right? You don't have to get everyone in your Facebook circle to come join you on Google+. Uh, Diaspora would supposedly push the the envelope to the point where they would have to open up to each other and allow that cross-collaboration uh, between social networks. So I think that's an interesting thing to uh, to keep an eye on and, and have an idea on how that might impact your social collaboration strategy as you're looking to bridge internal social collaboration with uh, public social networks. Okay, great tip. Thank you for that. That's great, Travis. And Alan, do you have a tip for us? Uh, sure. I'll, I'll give you one. It'll be more of a philosophical one than a tangible, you know, software product or something. My, you know, my, my tip for this week would be when you're discussing anything, remember your opinion is your opinion. It is not fact. It is not... Mm-hmm exactly how others should see things or do things. And experts are experts for a reason. If you want to listen to other people, that is great. But you should try to explain why you do things, not just what you do. And give you know, the background for the decisions you make, get backgrounds for the tools you use or the tips you do or things. And let others make their own educated you know, decision based on information you're helping provide them. Don't ever tell anybody else what to do, how to do it, and that their way of doing things is wrong because it's just, uh, you know, the internet's given us all a voice, but that's not always the best thing. There's my philosophy for the day. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much, Alan. I appreciate the, the way you expressed that. And my tip for this week is a update that's come from Google Maps. Actually, another Google service. Uh, use Google Maps all the time, both on Android but also on the web. They've just released uh, traffic information for 13 European countries, including the UK and Ireland, Luxembourg, Netherlands, and so on. Um, there's a link in the show notes that allows you just to go directly onto Google Maps on the web, for example, and see your route but also see the traffic conditions so it shows you what's slow fast medium and so on uh great 
again free feature um i look forward to using that on the android device at some stage as well uh so the the links in the show notes go have a look at that and see the the progress they they're making carlos's tip just to share that is uh, groovesharp.com which is an online music streaming site uh, you can create your own customized playlists and so on again there's a link in the show notes uh for that so thank you all for taking part let's just go around the table and ask how do people find you on the web do you have a twitter account or a a blog that you want to direct people to so darren kick us off for us blog.darrenduke.net for somewhat lackadaisical technical post it's been quiet out there again it has been quiet do a blog post i guess ibm hasn't pissed me off lately (laughs) (laughs) and now what oh twitter um Darren Duke, all one word for my 140 character, get off my lawn rants. <laughs> Excellent, Darren. Thank you. And Travis, how do people find you? Uh, they could use Twitter, uh, T. Retzloff at Twitter. I do have a blog. I am way too busy to update it and way too busy uh, consuming everyone else's blogs and the wonderful information they put out there. Uh, so the Twitter account, uh, or if you want to find me on Google+, uh, that would be another good place, or LinkedIn as well. Excellent. Thank you, Travis, for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. It's great to have you on the podcast. Certainly have you back soon. Thank you. And Alan, how do people find you? Uh, Preferably on a golf link somewhere. (laughs) But uh, if you do have to find me online, the easiest way, instead of going to any one specific tool, just go to about.me slash Alan Lepo, A-L-A-N-L-E-P-O. So about.me, actually that could be my tip, I guess, if, if people aren't familiar with about.me. It's a website where you kind of can just create a profile that links to all the other places people can find you. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us, Alan. It's it's great to keep you in this community. You know, um, so many of us have built our great relationships with you over the years. It's fabulous that you're still part of it and still at the events and, and so on. And thank you for joining us. My pleasure. It's great to be with everybody. Terrific. And I'm Stuart McIntyre. You can find me on Twitter at Stuart McIntyre and the company website is collaborationmatters.com. So thank you all for joining us once again for This Week in Lotus. Until um, next week, this was This Week in Lotus. And that went round and round. Bye. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. I screwed that up, didn't I? Never mind. What? <laughs> I think I might re-record that. Um, so- <laughs> whole show? You've, you've, yeah, you've only done it. F- whole show? Yeah, you've only you've only closed fifty-nine times. Oh, Come no. on. <laughs>